0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to your weekly Linux talk show. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. And my name is Brent. Hello, gentlemen. Well, coming up on the show today, we got a roundup of some drafting OS challenges and my journey to get away from iOS and the Apple ecosystem and how I think it particularly penalizes desktop Linux users. Then we'll find out what Brent's been up to with his extra week in Berlin because adventures are a plenty when Brent's in town and he has lots to share. And then we'll round out the show with some boosts, some feedback, and a lot more. So let's say good morning to our friends over at Tailscale. Tailscale is a mesh VPN protected by WireGuard, the best VPN technology in the biz. A flat network you'll have set up in minutes, regardless of your device. We love it. It'll change your networking game. I have no inbound firewall ports on any of my networks, thanks to Tailscale. Game changer, crucial to how I use Graphene OS as well. So go say good morning, try it out for 20 devices, tailscale.com. And if you get a chance, Maybe tell them the Unplugged program sent you. Let them know. Give them a little uh, hot tip. And before we go any further, let's say time-appropriate greetings to our virtual lug. Hello, Mumble Room. Hello.
1: Hello, hi, Hello. Hello.
0: Hey. 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 Hello. That's a really nice showing this week. Hello, everybody. Join us live in the Mumble Room as we do this here show on a Sunday. And Brent, it's like the evening where you're at right now.
2: Yeah, That doesn't seem to uh, be the Canadian Rockies.
0: No. In fact, it looks like you're in some sort of rad geek dwelling right now. So, (laughs) listeners, let me paint a picture for you. Brent's in, like, my dream of a basement, maybe, because there's cool piping and plumbing behind him and shelves that have, like, toolboxes and different kinds of gadgets on them. And, um, I mean, it just looks like a geek bunker that you're in this week. Where are you, Brent? I think
3: geek bunker is pretty accurate. I figured, you know, having done the last two shows at Nextcloud, I thought... I should do something a little bit more Berlin, right? <laughs> so listener Kenji uh, invited me to a NixOS meetup here last week, which I completely missed because we were recording uh, office hours, actually, and I got lost on the train as well. You know how it goes. But I got an amazing tour of this place called Seabase, which is – well, it depends which answer you want, but from what I understand, it's a underground uh, hackerspace, but it al- is also – a crashed space station that they're trying to repair. And so uh, I thought Kenji could give us a bit more information about it because he's uh, occasionally a member here.
1: The Seabase base is the reconstructed entrance to the crashed space station here in Berlin. Uh, some people might know the antenna of the space station. It's called the uh, Berliner Fernsehturm. And uh, hackers meet here and try to reconstruct it and get together and share um, information and there's a lot of talks and a lot of gatherings here, and we have a lot of tools also uh, which can be shared by everybody.
0: Wow, a space station in Berlin, man! We don't have we have a, we have an underground city in Seattle, but we don't have a space. We have the space we, needle. It's a
2: needle, but not a space station. You just <laughs> get expensive food up there, not hacker tools. What's
0: this place like? Is it uh, is it like a big club? Is it like a big garage? Uh, paint a picture for us we
3: i i got a tour earlier in the week and um i got another tour today because every time you go through it you see new things it's the kind of space where every single square inch of the ceiling and the walls and everything is like an art installation or gadgets or broke, broken half broken computers and flashy lights and there are you know certain stations where you have to get your uh, hand scanned just in case you have any alien implants. And so I I actually Ah. had one on the way in and they didn't like that too much, but they were able to isolate (laughs) it. So I was allowed in, thank goodness. Um, But it's just a really cool place. Kenji participates in the local NixOS meetup that happens here every Tuesday. So if you're local and you're interested in that, uh, I would say definitely come check it out. What's really fun this week is that I have three listeners here joining me. Uh, I have Pavel, who's joining me, and uh, there's Kenji, of course, who was just giving us an introduction, and Alex, who's joining us. They were all at some of the meetups, and uh, I thought I would invite them to come join. What's really fun is that uh, for two of them, I'm showing them underground Berlin places and their locals, so, you know, that's pretty fun.
0: (laughs) Brent, you got yourself moved right in, don't you? Just uh, made yourself comfortable. (laughs) Good for you. That sounds like, uh, that Seabase place sounds like an awesome location to have a NixOS meetup. Holy crap, that's so great. Well, I know you have some tales and stories to share with us. So uh, we're going to get to those a little bit later in the show after we talk a little giraffeing OS. There is much to share in that dimension, let me tell you. Oh it has been a long four months. Um, But before we go there, I want to let everybody know that next Sunday, we're going to do a pre-record. We will be off next Sunday, and we'll be pre-recording on Wednesday before self-hosted on the live stream. So if you normally join us, Mumble Room or others, if you normally join us Sunday live, why not show up Wednesday? We'll have the time at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar, and uh, you can hang out with us there. And we'll have a special pre-recording, which is going to be nice. We need your help. I mean... Those prerecords. Us. Yeah. We actually totally already know what we're going to talk about, and it's a, a project that we have been working on uh, kind of low-key behind the scenes for a few weeks because it's something we need to test out for a while before we share, and uh, I feel like we've done our due diligence there. We still have more work to do, but by the timing of everything, we should have quite an episode for you. And then, of course, we'll release like normal. Uh, members will get a little early like they always do, but uh, we'll just release like normal. You don't have to worry about it. And we also have some meetups. Uh, We'll try to get through these pretty quick, but we have uh, a Raleigh meetup scheduled for Saturday, April 8th, 3 p.m. local time with Brent and Alex, because Brent is going to be traveling from Berlin to Raleigh to keep the meetup party train rolling, it looks like.
3: I figured why not go from one meetup to the next to the next? I mean, that's how this month is going so far. So why not keep that train going?
0: Yeah, this is this is going to be a great time because we have a really good Raleigh crew. The JB Colony in Raleigh is strong and details are at meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting for the Raleigh Pizza Party. And um, then one last little meetup and again, details at meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Sorry to be repetitive, but I just want to let everybody know we're also going to have a meetup at the end of the month of April in Olympia. So come join us if you're in the Pacific Northwest, Olympia, Washington. We haven't picked the venue yet. But we already have people that have signed up, so we know it's gonna be a good party. It's gonna be an Olympia, it's gonna be on Saturday, uh, April twenty-ninth. Normally when Linux Fest traditionally would have been going on. We thought let's get together
2: and, we can uh, still do something Linuxy in the Pacific
0: Northwest. We will indeed. We'll make we'll make it a Linux-y Saturday. So I'll have all that up there. And then while we get into talking about my switch to Drafting OS I want to mention that the Podverse team who creates the podcasting 2.0 open source cross platform GPL podcasting app, Podverse is looking for a Kotlin wizard to help them just build a sane Kotlin environment and publish a Kotlin dependency and kind of get all that sorted out as uh, the most of the development team are iOS users. So they would like some Android expertise to help get them going in the right direction, not talking about a long term commitment. But the open source project is making a call out to the community and we'll have some details linked in the show notes.
2: Yeah, kind of interesting. They've got a dependency on something that ultimately relies on a Kotlin project. And uh, they kind of want to be able to update it themselves to solve some issues in in Podverse itself. But Mm -hmm. none of them are Kotlin experts.
0: And it could make the Android experience better for tens of thousands of users if you have a little bit of time (sighs) to help them get started. No big
2: deal. Yeah,
0: no big deal. Podverse is what I've been using on my Pixel 7 running Graphene OS. I've been running this now for about 126 days. Uh, It was in episode 486 around the beginning of November, I think, or the end of November, November 27th, uh, that I made the switch. And I said I'd try it for 30 days, and then that stuck. And then I said I'd try it until the end of January, and that stuck. And I kept giving myself uh, these
2: windows. It's April now, Chris.
0: It's April, and um, I've gotten a lot of questions about how it's going. So I want to talk about the ugly, the bad and the good. And then I want to talk about how from where I'm sitting now, four months into this, I can see the insidious problem that iOS creates for Linux adoption. And I want to kind of raise the red flag about a technical debt that you might be building today. So let's talk about, the the bad things about switching away from iOS and uh, Giraffe in OS. And Wes, I know you're rocking it over there as well. Yes, I am. Um, and Brent, of course, is a longtime lineage user, so he never really got sucked into the iOS vortex.
2: Wes, I think, maybe felt the call of the forbidden fruit. Well, actually, I started my smartphone adventures oh, yeah, right. so way back when uh, on an iPhone, so it's been you know it's been several generations since I used one actively, but I certainly certainly appreciate the platform, mm-hmm. and I support my father who has an iPad, and I've you know I use macOS at work, so there's a lot of adjacent apple so i yeah i definitely feel the pull i see the things that i'm like oh that is really nice but i resist yeah airplay is so much better than Chromecast. it just is yeah Yeah, i I recognize that yeah
0: it's local and with airplay 2 you automatically get control of media devices that also support airplay surfaced on your lock screen and on the watch which is really nice and there's just nothing comparable like that on android really chromecast is nice but it's not comparable um and so I'd say as far as the ugly goes about switching, um, this is not going to shock anybody. When things break that you self-host, it's kind of sometimes dramatic results when it's your mobile device. And so I had to self-host my own cloud infrastructure when I moved over to Graphene OS because I wanted to keep, I wanted to maximize the privacy result. And I had a Nextcloud outage a few weeks ago that was a real eye-opener. It, it seems like maybe an upstream bug or some script or something kind of ate my SQLite database. I shouldn't have been using SQLite. They tell me that there's all kinds of error messages, but I kept using it because that's what it shipped with by default. And uh, during an upgrade, my next cloud instance went down. We were able to fix it relatively easily. Thanks to Wes's help. Um, you know, there was even like a repair command that basically sussed it out and figured out what was wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it took a huge effort and it wasn't like I was on the verge of losing data or anything like that, but it meant For 12 hours, I didn't have phone syncing and location stuff and that kind of thing. And that was a bit of a pain in the butt. Right.
2: And there's no, you know, it sucks when a third party service goes down. You have no control over it. You can't do anything. But the upside is you can't do anything, right? You just say, like, well, I won't use that for now. I can't. But there are some sysadmins out there getting paged right now who will be fixing it. Right. And later it'll be fixed. Meanwhile, I'm like, geez, well, I know, see, I'm going to be doing
0: this. And I got to do this with the kids. And I got this thing I got to go take care of. So I think I could probably get to this tomorrow night, you know, and then so I go all day without. (sighs) sinking in services. So that was definitely had one of those outages. I was like, this hurts more than I thought it would hurt, Mm -hmm. but recovered. And there hasn't been any problems since then. Uh, So that was the ugly for me. The bad was um, I do miss having a good watch. This sounds sort of like a real first world problem, but when you get used to a decent watch, I know you Pebble users out there know what I'm talking about. When you get a good watch that works for you, it's really hard to try their stuff. And the thing that they nail here is media playback and volume control on the phone. So if you just like me, like to sometimes like you're doing some dishes or something and you just put the phone down and you just play a podcast because it's got good enough speakers these days. It's So nice to be able to pause that with the phone or clear notifications. with Right. The phone. Just right there. There's no there's no watch combo that works with Android that appeals to me. That's just what it is. And this is where the Apple ecosystem kind of kind of starts to chip away. You know, this is one of the things you have to push against. It starts kind of like making you rethink this stuff. Also, Android's performance has come a long way. Still not as good as iOS. And the, if you choose to use the gesture mode, which you don't have to, it's optional. But if you choose to use like the back gesture and the swipe up gesture, so clunky compared to the iPhone. And there are times where I, the swipe up gesture just doesn't work. And then you add the fact that my case has a bit of a lip down there makes yeah, it even that worse. That doesn't help. I was going to say, I kind of really like the gestures. Yeah, overall, I like them. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if you come from a better implementation, right. they're really hokey. Like uh, The fact that there's the app often can't tell if you're trying to swipe up to get the side hamburger menu or swipe to go back and you have to do these special kinds of swipes. I
2: do it's, think a lot of those are apps that have not updated yeah. for the gesture UI. Yeah. I was going to say, I've been surprised how many do support it. Yeah. There are some, though. And if you use them a lot, I'm looking at you, Telegram, in particular, Mm -hmm. that you're going to be like, okay, well, this is this is more painful than it needs to be. Um,
0: Camera's laggy. Performance stinks in the camera app, even when I use the Google app. Uh, But I've also gotten more compliments on my Pixel 7 photos than I've gotten for a couple of years from an iPhone. Like people are really like, wow, that's a great photo. I get that a lot now. Maybe it's the magic that they do afterwards. Like you yesterday got an incredible shot, like actually incredible to get with a smartphone.
2: Yeah, I mean, the moon was out on a nice blue sky day and just do that uh, 30x zoom.
0: It was. and I So I was like, all right, I got to go see if I can do this, too, because West Payne coming in with like an actual legit shot of the moon in the middle of the day on a smartphone that is actually usable. So I went to see if I could get the same image and I'm actually pretty happy with the results. It's it really does some post-processing that is impressive. It is hard as hell to zoom in 30x on a tiny dot in the sky. But it puts this, like, mini-map overview. I love that. It's so, smart. It's so smart. so smart. Like, so, like, if you give it another couple of years, I think they're going to get there with the performance. Mm-hmm. And features and performance are going to meet. So, if you're patient, I feel like the, the lagginess I have with the camera app has got to eventually go away.
2: It's got to, right? And I'd say it kind of depends on what you do. So, like, for, like, kid stuff, action shots, that's yeah. going to be a lot harder. If you're like me and you're just taking pictures of, like, the forest. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not so bad. Yeah, totally. So this is just the bad stuff, right? I do have good stuff. Hit and miss
0: battery life. I've had to reboot some time. And then because I'm using Graphene OS specifically, no
2: tap to pay features. Yep. I miss that one.
0: Yeah. Although I don't really like Google's implementation anyways. But um so I don't I'm not like dying here. But there are times, and I think as summer comes and it's short season. I'm going to want that even more. Right. And it it would be nice since Graphene OS is limited to pixels. It'd be nice if there were smaller, even smaller pixels like iPhone SE size for friends and family. We can hope. So here's the good. It feels really good to be private. Like I have a sense of relief I wasn't expecting using this phone. You know, I'm not getting tracked by push notifications. I'm not getting tracked by Google services. I'm not getting tracked by logging into iCloud. There's just something kind of right about that. Like that's how the world should be. And we've had we we've developed some tooling that we'll talk about, or we're using some tooling that we'll talk about in a future episode to keep this even more secure and private. But I also enjoy like the extra freedom you get from Android. You know, as a geek, I really love the fact that I
2: can have multiple app stores. But F-Droid on this thing, love Droid. That's been it. it, it honestly, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like what it, what it's like to be running NixOS. I mean, totally different, right? I mean, this is Android and all those things. But it's like I've got this minimal, clean feeling system. But then I've got, I've still got the Play Store, which maybe you could, It's like FlatHub or something, you know. Like I can dip in there when I need to, but I don't, I don't need to that often. Or for it's the, or it's the apps that I've already made compromises on and just accept that I need because you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's very much. Yeah, it's like an immutable OS, and I'm going to different places and loading sometimes more cutting edge apps from some places and stuff mm-hmm. like that too. So there's definitely some. This is an old meme, but there's definitely some apps that are just better on iOS. That that is still true today. But, man, the apps that matter, they're better on Android by a mile. And I think that's just indisputable at this point. Tailscale, 24-7 connected. I sync everything. Everything I talk to my NextCloud instance, all my data syncing is done over Tailscale 24-7. My wife has to relaunch Tailscale on her phone a couple times a day to to keep it connected. Because iOS just proactively kills stuff in the background, right? And so she wants it persistently. She has to relaunch it. Now, I have a little hack for that and I recommend this, you can set up a shortcut on iOS to execute something without user interaction when they plug in the phone. So I set TailScale to launch every time she plugs in her phone or puts it on the charger. It launches TailScale in the background, keeps her connected. So that's a little iOS trick that I learned. NextCloud, way better on Android. Way better on Android syncing, way better app, way better integration. NextCloud is better on Android. Image, IMMICH, which is my Google Photos replacement. Well, they just came out. They just came out with iOS background uploading. I don't have any experience with it, but it is awesome on Android. I've been able to migrate away from Google Photos thanks to Image. And it is actually broken for me on Graphene OS. It has been for weeks uh, to view the gallery on the phone, but the background daemon is still running, So you're uh, uploading you're syn- pictures. Okay. Absolutely working. The web UI works just fine. And I can just use like the open source gallery app to view my local photos. It's fine. I just can't use the image app right now on Graphene OS to view the local photos. It's been like that for weeks. I don't know why, but it's uploading and the web UI just keeps getting better and better and the search keeps getting better. So, this for me, these apps are some of the most quintessential mobile apps that I use. And so, the fact that they're better on Android is a big win. Um, and then you combine KDE Connect, you, buy, you combine KDE Connect. And you start to get to that kind of ecosystem feeling, where I can share my clipboard, my internet connection. You know, you know, everybody knows about KDE Connect at this point. I mean, we talked about it years ago too, but I haven't really got to play around with it for a oh, while. Oh no! And I have it set up, and God bless him, man. You can have it connect. You can have it configured for multiple computers with multiple different phones. It works so good. So I can have it. I can have. I have KDE Connect on a system here at the studio, and I have KDE Connect on my ThinkPad at home. And it's so nice. I'm working on something on here. I can just send it to the computer and keep working on it. KDE Connect is fantastic software. I know everybody in the community probably already knows about it, but I wanted to give them a shout out because they really sealed the deal for me on kind of making my own ecosystem. And what I've been able to build with a combination of Nextcloud and KDE Connect and Tailscale is a solid replacement for all of the things iCloud offered me except for iMessage. So I still haven't been able to avoid that, but that is what it is. But uh, I, you know, I had that scare with the outage. I've had some problems with image. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have to reboot the phone to make the battery last all day. These are the downsides. But the upsides are that I was able to break free with with the exception of iMessage. But I think, you know, if I really, really wanted to, I could go through the process of deregistering my iMessage account and converting friends and family over to text message. It's just I don't really, you know, I don't really want to, but totally could. Uh, and it's been really, uh, overall, a pretty great experience. I think I'm at the point now where uh, if I if I didn't have an iPhone already, I would not feel compelled to get one. Because I spent years in that
2: iPhone ecosystem, though, I have technical debt now that I have to pay off. You've optimized around having that ecosystem around right all your home your home pods i mean and i i feel like it could be a barrier for linux adoption for some people
0: because it just doesn't the iphone doesn't really talk to linux it doesn't there's not you know you, it really the way you the way you sync your linux desktop to an iphone is you sync your linux desktop to cloud services that also sync to your iphone maybe they're your own maybe they're somebody else's cloud services you don't really communicate directly. There is like a KDE Connect kind of thing for iPhone. And there is a couple other options, but nothing like it is with Android. And when you combine NextCloud and KDE Connect, the workflow of getting things on and off the phone is so smooth and straightforward. I could just do that for years. It's like I record a clip or I record a video. You know, I just save it, move it to my NextCloud folder. It's so simple. Or I use tailscale send to just send that one file. It's like, The workflow is solid now, and I've replaced all the individual kind of functions that I had with the iPhone and and, and iCloud, except you still have this whole kind of year's worth of dependencies that you've built up. And I had the realization, like, the sooner you get out of that, the easier it is to break free of it. Or, honestly, if you go the Brent route and just never really get sucked into it at all, looking back at it, I wish I could have, like, said, you know, my younger self, don't do it. Don't don't spend the money. Don't do it. because it, it will be harder the deeper you go to get out. And so I feel like I'm going to be trying to still dig my way out for at least another year or two. Because I've got iPads, I've got HomePods, and uh, I kind of want to keep some of them for some things. And I have to find where that line's at. Yep. Do
2: you keep sort of trying to build fancier interfaces to go to like bridge with that ecosystem yeah. or do you just abandon it entirely? Yeah. And, you know, some of that some of those bridges can be brittle. Right. Yep, because I mean they, they can change things whenever they want. That's what Apple do. Yeah. So, um, I
0: wish I'd done it sooner. I guess is my advice. Graphene OS itself has been really solid. I'm
2: wondering what your experience has been. I've been through lots of updates. Those have all been pretty good. Just today, I think I saw a message that an update fail failed mm. to install. Update. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give that another try and see what happened. But otherwise, yeah, it's been been surprisingly smooth it does take a little while to do the like apt app optimization after updates that's a little annoying so you got kind of be yeah if you need if you're just doing if you think it'll be a quick reboot well don't do that if you might need your phone again in the next five minutes doesn't regular
0: android updates do that still too yeah yeah it just happens to have like monthly updates or whatever so you're gonna see it a lot more yeah yeah so you want to make sure that's one thing is you want to make sure when you reboot you got you know at least a good amount of battery and you want to have some time and if you have like 400 apps installed like i do i have like 320 apps installed it takes a while to optimize all those
2: but the the flip side of that is we get so many regular updates it's really it's it's the happiest and sanest i've felt on an android system for a long time yeah and like, I, don't, I don't feel gross about having it and then especially right. as you say with like KDE connect it's there are some apps i tried not to have them on the linux desktop you know occasionally some especially for some of our back-end production or whatever but then especially on the phone, like banking apps or, your, you know, whatever random tools you might need, it, f- it feels like a better bridge to that world because I can, I can set the boundaries. I can integrate it with my Linux desktop if I want to. Yeah, it's on the, it's, it's on the side of the
0: compromise line that I prefer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that is a good feeling. And I don't really feel like I'm paying like a Graphene OS tax. In performance, some say it's slightly slower. I don't know. I don't notice it because I didn't really use stock Android on this thing very much. Um, and there really isn't much I can do except for Android Auto, which is still a big hole
2: in my life, but mm-hmm. I'm managing. That's what I keep thinking about is, okay, well, I've given Giraffeine a good try. I could, I could try stock, right? I could go try it, see see, what, see if I like the few, you know, half back the few things that I'm missing. Yeah. yeah. And I've toyed with that, but it's, it's just not, at the end of the day, it's just not that tempting. I'd almost rather just accept that. Okay, maybe I need to carry a single credit card in my pants when otherwise I would have just had my phone. That's worth it, yeah. for that compromise line. Yeah. I think at least
0: right now, that's where I'm at too. I do miss it, but I'm like, it's not. I have a slim wallet. It's not that big of a deal to just use my card, and that's what I've been doing. And it's totally fine. Um, and yeah, uh, have you kept
2: using Magic Earth for GPS? How's that been for you? Uh, yeah, I did install Google Maps. You know, uh, just for. Especially when you're traveling, it's, it's like ex- yes, yeah. it's for it's for that. But yeah, yeah. I've been enjoying Magic Earth as the like actually going down the road one yeah. a lot more than Google Maps. Me
0: too. And uh, the other day, I actually had my first like uh, speed trap reported on there as I was pulling up. There's like a little icon on there. I'm like, what's this? Hey-o. Hey, that's somebody, what we that's what we somebody need. Else, somebody else around me is using Magic <laughs> Earth. It's a great little GPS app. So I I really like the way it renders the maps. I like that it's using Open Street Map data too. It, it's nice and clean. Um, So those things have been great. There, of course, uh, has been some rough edges. And I experimented for a short period of time with trying the work phone, home phone thing, because I actually think iOS may have improved on the notification experience over Android with focus mode. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll put my iPhone in like a personal focus mode and that'll be my personal phone. And that does work. But man, do I hate having two phones. And then like, which phone do you sync your podcast to? Both. Well, yeah, but. That's just insanity, man. <laughs> then you have to ask yourself, okay, I'm going to listen to a podcast. Which phone do I listen on? Like, it, 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 it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So uh, I think I'm a one phone kind of guy. I think I'm phone monogamous. But uh, I, I did in the back of my mind think this could be a direction I go in the future. Is in the evenings I use the iPhone, with you know, with iMessage uh-huh. and for personal stuffing because it can control my media devices. And during the day, I'm using the Android for like work communication and. That kind of stuff. Now, would you go so
2: far as not installing work things on your iPhone? Thought about that. I
0: could if I were going to start with a fresh phone.
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: With the focus mode, you don't really need to because you can just hide that stuff and already have that all set up. Um, But you could. I was thinking also another route to go would be to take an old iPhone. like I have some old ones just laying around. Start them totally fresh and see how far I could get without connecting to Apple. Like, can I do it without even logging into iCloud? Can you do that anymore? Could I only use NextCloud to sync the contact information? Because I actually tried that recently and it didn't work very well. So I I wonder uh, if people want me to experiment with it, I will. Otherwise, I'm just going to leave this to rest. I'm just wanted to address it because we've had a lot of people write in and ask. And in the meetups, people have been asking me how it's going. So I wanted to do a follow-up. And I know a lot of you out there are also trying Graphene OS. And we wanted to talk about that. In fact... I wanted to cover a couple of those. Legit Salvage came in with 50,000 sats, actually. Fantastic, sir. Saying on Graphene OS, I'm six months in on my Pixel 6a and I plan on sticking with it. I have no significant complaints. I'm using the Sandbox Play Store and services. One issue specifically is with my Real Link app not providing notifications for my doorbell and other cams. It started out not working, then started working for a week and not again. And I can't really contribute the change to any particular update. I have uh, tinkered a few times. With with some settings, but no luck. Have you seen this with any of your apps? It's a hard one to search. Oh, man, I bet. That's got to be, I would bet, Salvage, is what's happening. Is maybe it's the play services or whatever background process is responsible for receiving the notification ping from their servers, from their link service. That's probably getting
2: paused. Yeah, yeah.
0: battery optimization. Yeah, Mm -hmm. battery optimization is probably pausing that. And so you could go in and turn battery optimization off on Play Services, or whatever it might be, and then that would solve that. It will use more battery. I believe it's like that by default on Android, but on Graphene OS, Play Services and the Play Store are treated just like any other app, and so you have to implicitly go in and allow
2: them to have those privileges. That's kind of an interesting aspect of using Graphene. Is you kind of have to learn a little bit more about how Android works. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily bad. I mean, it's a little more homework. So. If that's not your cup of tea, just know that. But it is interesting because there's kind of little, I noticed I was trying to crop a photo and it was getting some like consistent pop-up that's like, oh, if you don't want us to bother you every time, you got to go in here and adjust that. And that's just a common thing is you don't realize. It's always like this, right? When you switch to sort of deny by default, you start learning all the things that were happening under the hood without you really being aware of it. That is so true. Yeah, there, it is not uncommon for an app to come up
0: and say, Hey, man, you need to go adjust the setting for me to work properly. And you're like, oh, geez, another one that needs (laughs) access to this? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay, good to know. Zach Attack came in with 10,000 sats and asked, uh, here's what I've learned about my Graphene OS journey. If you're on Google Fi, consider looking for another cell provider first, as you have to have the Google Fi app and the Play Store logged in for text messaging to work. I'll probably move to Mint Mobile soon, but I'm open to other suggestions. Next, having either NextCloud or Proton for your backend, or in my case, both, is a must to keep data synced up and backed up from the phone. I use NextCloud for my notes, contacts, and file backup with Proton, mail, and calendars. seems to work really well for me so far. That, I think, would be a Chris and Wes supported configuration or recommended configuration, right? Using NextCloud for notes and contacts and file backup and Proton for email and calendar. Sounds like a nice fit, yeah. Very smart, Zachatec. Well done, sir. Sam H. comes in with 10,000 sets. Says, I'm looking forward to hearing more about Graphene OS. I'm planning to replace it on my Pixel 4a later this year when I stop receiving updates. One question I have, though, why doesn't Android Auto work? Seems like it should basically just be like DisplayPort and USB. I'm imagining some weird proprietary Google crap, but I'd love to hear if you have more details. So I did some digging. Because I wanted to know the same thing. I think that's a great question. I mean, why, Sam? Why can't I have it? This is one thing that would really I have a lot of other deal. Android stuff. What's the deal? And I'm the dummy. I'm the dummy that bought the current year model so I could have the larger screen for CarPlay or Android Auto. <laughs> I could have saved a couple grand. I mean, I'm glad I didn't because it's all the other things were nice, too. But, like, at the time, yeah. I got that car because I, I really wanted that feature because, you know, it's great for road trips and stuff. But what I read with some conversations with the dev and some tweet threads um, is that there is actually some really, really deep kind of creepy invasive levels of permissions that you have to give that process. And you have to kind of unfetter other aspects of uh, the Google stuff to also make it all work. So yeah. And then also with logic had asked, can you play call of duty or other similar multiplayer games or does the anti cheat system trip up on drafting OS? Well, great question. Logic. I, normally play games on the phone, but I loaded up the uh, Call of Duty mobs and uh,
2: went and shot some people in the face. We did have to turn off uh, some of the exploit protection. Stuff. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, there was a little bit of that, but that was another one of the you got to go toggle something if you yep. occasionally. But you do that and you learn about all where all the toggles are. And then it's pretty quick. And yeah, it just worked. Linode.com slash
0: unplugged. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account. And it's a great way to support the show while you are checking out fast, reliable cloud hosting. You know, this show is made possible by everyone taking advantage of our sponsor offers. And Linode is one that we can enthusiastically recommend, endorse, and use. They've been around forever, really figuring out how to make this the best possible product. And their mission has remained unchanged since the day they began. They want to make cloud computing simple and affordable and accessible to all. So what you get is the best in-class experience. And they got there by embracing the capabilities and features of Linux. They built a company around where they saw the Linux kernel going, what it could do. That's why they were one of the first. So you can go over there and get $100 when you go to linode.com slash unplugged and deploy one of the many ready-to-go stacks. We've talked a lot about NextCloud recently. Well, when you go to linode.com slash unplugged and create your account and get the hundred bucks, you can deploy NextCloud in seconds. Maybe you want to set up a Discord server, GitLab. Maybe you want to replace Zoom with something like Jitsi. There's so many to choose from. So head over there and get the hundred bucks and try it out. Their NextCloud deployment is the NextCloud all-in-one setup. And will that, whoop, going to run blazing, whoop, whoop, going to run blazing fast. I mean, whoop, 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 going to run blazing fast on Linode's infrastructure. It's so fast. You're going to love it. Performance is one of the many reasons I stick around. Great customer support. And of course, their support, Linode support, their excellent support for the open source community. So try it out today. Support the show and get yourself something real neat. Maybe go deploy one of those open source projects you've been wanting to try or maybe consider it as part of your cloud alternative infrastructure. Linode.com slash unplugged. Whatever you want to do, go get the hundred bucks and try it out and support the show. You just go to Linode.com slash unplugged. Well,
3: somehow I'm still in Berlin. After last Linux unplugged, I thought, why should I take a plane? I'm just going to stay another week. But it seemed like I felt pretty bad for those listeners who only heard about the meetup after it actually happened. Uh, So maybe Brent being Brent, I decided to throw another Berlin meetup, Berlin meetup number two. And listeners in our Berlin Buds Matrix room were pretty amazing, and several of them suggested that we do an intro to the dev environment of Nextcloud. I thought that was a fabulous idea. So with the Nextcloud team's help, we threw literally in the same space, same time, uh, another meetup and a ton of people came together. It was um, actually super fun and I uh, really benefited from it Uh, personally. I think I, um, I did it for me, but the listeners get to win too. That
0: sounds like why we do all the meetups. We really do it for us. But I think the listeners enjoy it, too.
3: (laughs) Yeah, there's such a special thing. So I thought, how can I stay here and not do another meetup, especially if listeners who missed out could also join, which happened. So I'm super thankful for that. We also decided to extend the meetup to JB's online community and also the NextCloud community from an online perspective. So we had a camera in the room, um, and the whole idea for this meetup was a sort of hackathon, so... Sort of dive into the next cloud community ecosystem, and see from your own skill sets where you could potentially contribute. And I gotta say, it was a total success. It was super, super fun, and there were a ton of people online as well. One who I need to uh, send a special shout out to, which seems like the theme recently is CG bass player. Ryan showed up, and uh, you know, did a bunch of. Bug fixing in some of their tutorials. So uh huge thanks to Ryan again. Hmm. That's wonderful. That is
0: great. If you paint a picture for us a little bit, you're in the you are you're all in the Nextcloud office. Uh, they gave you a workspace where people could set up laptops and gather around a table and kind of collaborate. And uh so is so what we saw, you sent us some pictures, and what we saw was uh just a bunch of listeners and people in the area that all were huddled over their laptops, each working on on something else. So that it just this, uh, this is a
2: meetup I'm especially sad I to know. have missed out
0: on. Look at that! I mean, it looks like such fun. It really looks like a great time. Um, it's the exact kind of thing you want for this type of hackathon slash listener meetup, where it's really looks like people will, were getting down to work. At least from the pictures, I
3: would say the photos definitely tell the story. It was, you know, I'm I'm recording here today from kind of an underground hacker space, but man, did that event ever feel like it as well. And, of course, meeting people is my favorite thing. I couldn't help but record some clips. And, well, you guys get to benefit, too. And I thought I could share that with you. So this meetup was no exception.
4: Can you introduce yourself for us? Yeah, sure. Hi, Brian. My name is Beck. Uh, I'm a longtime listener of uh, JB. I found you guys through um, Self Hosted. Uh, I listened to all the episodes. Now I'm catching up with all the office hours and, uh, and all the other parts of the JB community. Lovely. You hear that, Chris? He's an Office Hours fan. Um,
3: what this is, you know, what do you think of what's going on here? Tell me a little bit about how it feels to be in the room.
4: It's really cool together like this. Uh, this is my, I would say, first experience because um, I really started with self-hosting and uh, learning all, all um, you know, hardware and the software stuff about a year ago. So this is, this is really impressive i don't even know how to express my emotions <laughs> um but definitely good to p- meet people and i really support uh, open source projects uh, i am a software consultant so i consult on the softwares to my business clients and i'm now we're trying to implement sort of uh, open source and make my sort of clients pay for open source as well because you know you support the, uh, the developers and uh, i think it's a good good balance do you live here in berlin or did you travel a little bit Yes, definitely. I live in Berlin. Um, I lived in Singapore. I lived in London, um, and now in Berlin. But uh, I think, um, uh, in terms of tech community, Berlin is still picking up. I think compared to London, for example. Um, But but yeah, Berlin is is cool. Like you you cycle everywhere. It's a lot of cool people. So yeah.
3: Nice. And I noticed uh, I was peeking over your shoulder slightly, not in a creepy way, but I noticed you were working on some things. Uh, Can you give us a tour of kind of what you started diving into?
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, since this is a NextCloud-themed meetup, um, I am trying to work with the developers of a, of a plugin for NextCloud called LibraSign. I think a lot of businesses use NextCloud as a substitute to big tech like uh, Google, uh, Google's you know Suite or WorkSpaces and Microsoft's Office. And LibraSign is uh, this piece of plugin on top of NextCloud where people can ask for signatures, like DocuSign, for example, and um, having some difficulty getting their binaries downloaded onto Nextcloud, and we're trying to, you know, uh, work on that with the developers. But uh, so that's what I'm working on now. That sounds fascinating. Uh, thank you for being here. No pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting. Huh? Integrating
0: DocuSign into your Nextcloud workflow. That's a not a great actually idea. would be. Yeah, it's pretty useful. <laughs>
2: I'm so glad <laughs> I some... asked
3: what people were working on because it's like, I had no idea they were doing this cool stuff. All I see is a bunch of laptops being typed on.
2: It does seem like a nice opportunity to leverage. You know, if you've already got this this hub, as they call it, of, of stuff that you're working on. Yeah, why not? Yeah.
3: Good. Also, what you probably noticed in that clip was there's a lot of like buzzing around going on in the background. And I noticed a theme, which was people coming together and working together on the same problems. And so listener Tomas and Hilmar were working on something, but I couldn't quite figure it out. So I asked them too. Now, gentlemen, you, you, you both seem like deeply entrenched in some kind of stuff on your screens. Can you introduce yourselves and then give us a sense of what you're working on? So hello,
1: my name is Tomas. Uh, I, my, so my strengths lie mostly in infrastructure, cloud, stuff like this. So I can't really do very much PHP. I decided to go and try and clean up the the Docker Compose setup that developers use. I just learned that different developers use they have their own offshoots and they don't even use the official one, the, which apparently is not even the official one. It's just the most commonly used. So, um, yeah, it's like a free-for-all. And I'm going to try and first make sense of it because we tried with Brent yesterday to even run this on my computer and we spent like half the evening and couldn't get it to work <laughs> and now I feel like I'm not much closer uh, and yeah, if that's the experience that a uh, a person that wants to contribute to Nextcloud has that's their first experience then uh, I'd like to make that experience better because it's not how... how what I would like to be uh, greeted by when you try to contribute to a fresh open-source project, right? You'd want at least, like, the basic setup just works. You just, like, make up or, like, docker compose up. You want it to, to come up, and you can play around it, fool around, and then your your open-source journey starts. If your open-source journey starts, like it did with mine yesterday, before, like, ends before it even started, yeah. then that's a problem. So, yeah, I'm going to try and uh, leverage my friend Hilmar here to get... A, Get us to hopefully fix whatever bug that we encountered with this Docker Compose setup and then maybe collapse the Docker Compose file because it has basically like 15 different setups or something for different versions, which could be solved probably with a variable and an end file and then see where we go from there.
3: Sweet, sounds like really valuable work. Uh, Hilmar, I, I see you're typing away like crazy, but can I interrupt you? What, what, what do you, what, introduce yourself and what are you doing over here?
1: Ah, uh, oh, sorry,
3: my name is Hilmar. Uh, I'm also a friend of Tomas. Uh, I just came to this uh, meetup because it sounded interesting, uh, and I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks impressive. I mean, you've got all sorts of things going on. I, mean, I haven't been able to read
1: Ument it. but uh, Multiple lines at one time, so we're yeah, <laughs> making progress already.
3: Sweet, and there's someone here helping you from Nextcloud. Vitor, uh, what, what's going on in this corner?
5: Uh, I'm here wrapping to start the development environment with uh, Docker. Uh, uh, now uh, he he's, he's using my own environment and uh, he's using the environment of Julius.
0: Lovely. And, uh, well, keep going, guys. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, they're really getting crap done. I mean, you must have been just blown away by just the solid amount of work just happening in no time.
3: Well, and this is like a slice in time and was fairly early on in this particular meetup. And so later I checked in with everyone and, Like, Hilmar and Vitor had been working together the entire meetup, and they also unearthed like an archived chores app, because Hilmar wanted to have a way with his wife to split up chores in his house. (laughs) So they were like digging through source code to find an old archived thing and found it. So Hilmar's going to, I think, bring it back to life. We'll see.
5: I'm Lucas. I'm Brazilian. I came here to Berlin just vacationing, but now I'm looking for new job positions. And we are now talking about tech, about keyboards, because he showed his setup for his custom keyboard. And I was talking to him. um, There is a guy who makes it in Brazil. But also we already talked about other stuff like Python and PHP and other stuff. And uh, you're working on some stuff. Can you tell us who you are, where you're from, and uh, what are you doing over here? Sure. Yeah, my name is Finn. And uh, I'm just waiting for the dev environment to come up like the docker compose and it's just downloading and updating stuff i hope it's working out um yeah i'm super jealous uh about lucas's monitor because it's really cool like that's how we got talking about like gadgety tech stuff because even though it's not strictly necessary to have something like that it is pretty nice (laughs) Maybe not ergonomic in the, like, weight on your back sense, but definitely in the screen-estate sense. Yeah, that's how we got talking about ergonomics and keyboards. Lovely. And then how is it being at the meetup today? Oh, it's nice. Um, first time for me to actually interact with the Nextcloud community, apart from, like, reading issues on the GitHub to, like, find out why my Nextcloud is not working. But, um... Yeah, it's great to be here. I hope I can be of some use, contribute, give something back.
3: About an hour later, I checked in with Finn again, and by that time, he was rewriting the dev environment setup in Podman with a few other listeners. So we'll see where that goes. Um, And I don't know if you, you noticed yet, but there's there was quite a representation from Brazil at the meetup, which I thought was. Fascinating. So, from Lucas uh, and th- the gentleman we met earlier, Vitor from the Nextcloud team. And uh, his wife, Diane, shared her excitement about the event as well.
4: Hello, my name is Diane. I'm part of Community Brazilian, Nextcloud Community Brazilian. I speak about Nextcloud in my country. And I have a lot of, a lot of plans to introduce about Nextcloud in my country because. There is very important to know more this project because I think it's real to share privacy and security to people in Brazil.
3: Well lovely. It sounds like very important work. I wanna say thank you for doing that.
4: Thank you so much for this opportunity.
0: Yeah, well, that is a great opportunity for her, isn't it? Is she gonna go advocate Nextcloud to her community? What a great chance to Go to the NextCloud office. I mean, you can read up about a project, but you can actually go to where they work, um, meet their founder, you know, chat with the actual people there that are
2: working on it. Well, and we've seen from Brent's adventures, right? There's so much more to the project and the people behind it than you can get just from from the docs or from, you know, people talking about it.
3: I think one theme I really picked up on these last two weeks for NextCloud is just how worldly of a project it is, which is, of course, always fascinating, especially with open source. We are lucky enough to have Frank, the NextCloud co-finder, join us for the event as well, and he shared a few reflections on the meetup. Well, Frank, you've joined us tonight, and uh, wh- wh- what do you think of this? I mean, there's a bunch of people filling the NextCloud offices. How does it feel?
5: I mean, that's so cool. I mean, thanks a lot for helping to organize that. I mean, I think you announced it just, I don't know, two days ago, three days ago, or something like that, and there are a bunch of people here, and uh, happy talking, hacking, and have a good time. So that's just, yeah the power of community, I guess.
3: Yeah, I always find it really neat when two communities can come together and uh, help each other out. So hopefully some of Jupiter Broadcasting's folks can you know, get more integrated into the NextCloud community as well. Uh, I noticed you were chatting with some folks over there. What did you uh,
5: get into? Um, yeah, I just met uh, Thomas over there. It's actually super cool because he's a community member from NextCloud for many, many years. Uh, and I think I never met him in person. And now I met him here. And we just said hi and talked a bit. And so, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Lovely. Well, I think it seems like maybe we should try to do this more often. It seems like a great success. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. Like, um, it's a cool idea that these two communities do it together. And we find some uh, shared interest and cool things we can do together. So yeah, I love it. So I
3: would say it was a huge success, at least for my eyes. So I want to say... Thank you to the entire NextCloud team for basically allowing JB to take over their offices yet again this week. There were a handful of NextCloud employees that showed up in person, way more than I even thought would. So that was amazing. Uh, They supported us in keeping things organized and making sure everyone in person was, you know, getting their questions answered. And there were also a few engineers and staff that joined online to facilitate things for the JB community as well. So a huge thanks
2: there. That is that is. Genuinely, I mean, that's that's kind of a lot to ask, you know, just out of the blue for this sort of thing. And it really, that's a commitment that uh, shows some mutual love, I think.
3: And I didn't even ask. They just kind of showed up. It was a beautiful thing. <laughs> I, I think as well, there's an opportunity. I'd like to encourage those who think they might want to contribute to NextCloud. Uh, if you're interested, I mean, you don't need to do it only during the meetup. You can check it out as well. Um, if you think that's interesting to you, nextcloud.com slash developer is a nice place to start. And I wanted to do a few thank yous as well. Um, Pai Crash, who showed up for this meetup, took the train for like four and a half hours. So longest distance, other than the Brazilians, of course. So PyCrash, Crash, thank you. It was awesome to meet you. And a huge thank you to Tomas and his family. They took me in and let me stay at their place this entire week, which was like a traveler's dream to live with a local and... Um, Yeah, their family was so good to me. We had tons of adventures. It was a beautiful thing. I also, Tomas also taught me how to use the
0: train because I was doing it very wrong. Oh, that is particularly great. That is so helpful when you're traveling like that. Amazing. Uh, Those local pro tips, yeah. A a listener took Brent in. Their family took Brent in while he's traveling.
3: Yeah, this is the same listener that last week threw me into a cold lake. So, yeah,
0: (laughs) there's a special
3: connection there. (laughs) Uh, Also, a thanks to Kenji, who coordinated my even being here today at Seabase. Huge thanks there. A thank you to Lucas as well, who basically gave us like a really sweet tour of Seabase the other night when it was super pumping and active. And uh, showed me the NixOS kind of stuff they've got running these crazy mate lights and stuff upstairs. It's
0: crazy. Oh, really? Those run Nix? Oh, oh, that's yeah. well, come wild. Come on. Of
3: course. Pavel also offered to show me around, like, underground Berlin scene at KitKat and such. I didn't take him up on the offer, but he's, he's smiling at me right now from the other side of the glass.
0: Maybe next time. <laughs> we'll see. There will probably be a next time. It sounds like it was a good enough time. Yeah. I also...
3: This is just like a huge sign of how amazing our listeners are. This this week in particular, I got an offer to stay in some of the NextCloud team's homes in Brazil if I wanted to at some point. I got invited to a ski trip in Austria at some point. So we'll see if that happens. And so many other folks just offered to help me this entire two weeks with like, hey, if you need anything, let me know. I'll help you out.
0: So thank you, listeners. You guys are the best. Bitwarden.com slash Linux. Go get started with a free trial right now or for free if you're an individual user at bitwarden.com slash Linux. Bitwarden is great for businesses, organizations, open source project groups, and down to the individual level. There's going to be something there that appeals to each one of those categories. And Bitwarden uses end-to-end encryption with zero-knowledge encryption for your vault. So bitwarden.com slash migrate is also a great place to visit after you go to bitwarden.com slash Linux. If you're running an existing password manager, like I, here's how I view it. Bitwarden's like an Iron Man suit for your internet experience, right? You're going to get all the bells and whistles and protections that technology has available to you. And you also get the automation, like the auto filling and syncing and stuff like that that Jarvis gives Tony Stark in the Iron Man suit, right? You, you don't want to be going around with like, you know, the bat suit when somebody else is going around with the Iron Man suit. You know what I'm saying? I like Batman. Batsuit's no Iron Man suit. Bitwarden is open source. It's trusted by millions in the community, our community. Wes and I use it for password storage, two-factor code storage, passphrase storage, recovery keys. Uh, I even put my payment information in there so I can autofill payment fields in the web. It's nice. It's quick. And the best part is they make the experience smooth and usable on mobile, on every operating system I use. I just really appreciate that aspect of it, too. That way I can use the same secure, unique password, username, and email address for every app, site, and service I use. Bitwarden makes that actually possible. Now, you might already know about Bitwarden, but maybe you could recommend it to the place you work or a friend and family. Send them to bitwarden.com Linux. This is the low-hanging fruit that we can recommend to friends and family. This is a best practice you know they should be doing, and Bitwarden is a great place that you can trust and send them. That's what I use. It's what we all use here. It's what my friends and family use. And when I find out, when I find out people are using something else, I send them to bitwarden.com slash Linux, even IRL, because really, let's be honest, they do this one thing, start using unique usernames and passwords, something like Bitwarden, which is continuously improving and has a great team behind it and really reasonable prices. If they want to go with one of the paid plans, it's like the paid plan. It's just like a great, solid, safe recommendation. I use it and I think everybody else should too. Try it out. Get started today at bitwarden.com slash Linux. Support the show and try it at bitwarden.com slash Linux.
2: I think it's time for some feedback. And we have some from Eduardo sharing some feedback on the last episode of Linux Unplugged. Erlin with Brent. That's 503. It was super cool to get the inside scoop on the next cloud developments. I especially love the interviews with the engineers that are developing or guiding the development of the new features. Brent did an excellent job, both in his recordings and during his recaps with Chris and Wes. More interview and product-focused shows, please. Consider creating a new contribution funnel to collect funds for more of these types of trips. Eduardo from Hartford, Connecticut. Thank you, uh, Eduardo. I mean, um, I can't really argue with any of that. No, I, Brett, you did a
0: great job. Thank you, <laughs> No, Brian. thanks. Yeah, I I agree. More interviews and product focus, sure. Um, although we, I don't really see it working as like setting up specific funds, maybe for some projects, maybe someday. We'll see. 2023 is going to be a tight year, so it's we're going to have to be very careful about uh, where we go and when we go and how we do it. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out, you know? I don't want to overcommit, but I do agree I enjoyed it quite a bit because going there and getting the story is always our preference. It's just how do you scale that?
2: How do you scale that? Right. And I mean, we're, we're here jeal- jealous at home. We want to join. Them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we would definitely we would definitely scale it as funding allowed. I also didn't
3: mind traveling. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'm always up, up for that. And while I was here, uh, I also this week got to vis- visit the Free Software Foundation Europe offices and hung, hung out that with them. For an entire morning. So you'll see that in a future
0: Linux unplugged as well. Boost degree. Sir Lurksalot came in with a series of boosts this week. Uh, 13,370 using Boost CLI like a baller. He says, Chris, unfortunately we have never met. I was asking, because I feel like I know Lurks a lot. You know? I feel like I know him. From the boost in and the chat room, Boosted, I just feel like I, I know him. It seems I think you do. Yeah. Just an it's an Non- unconventional it blurs the lines Wes it blurs the lines uh, but he writes I don't drive and I live in a remote town interesting so travel takes planning one day though it'd be really cool to make it to a meat space meetup maybe share a brew and some barbecue but for now it's cool we can be slightly imaginary friends I got you bro I'll be your slightly imaginary friend Sir Lurkslot then comes in again with another 13,370 sets Noah's trip tick refers to his three panel painting that was behind him in the, oh, right, in that vid- in the last video, he had that three, right, I remember, the three-panel picture. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Uh, Noah never rearranges them. Yeah, that was true. The camera sometimes would move, though. And then lot continues with another boost. Uh, for what it's worth, I noticed that there's a slice, slight misalignment on the terminal windows you use in the OBS, mat when showing all three of you, the one Call I have up it, right now. Calling you out. I know, in a boost, too. Well, I guess if you're going to get called out, a boost is the way to do it. Uh, Wes is just a couple pixels too low, man. I agree. You know, I agree. I've been talking to him off air about that. Yeah, yeah I'm. I'm doing I, some exercises to try close. to help. He's also a bit close, but I think I need a wider lens. But also, you know, uh, lurks a lot. What it betrays is uh, I have a really low key approach to the video because I just don't really care. It's there on Jupiter Tube for people who want it, but the audio
2: MVP video. It's just... Yeah, it's
0: MVP video exactly. Audio is the product, and then lurks a lot. Because he's awesome, I guess. Comes in with another, boost. says. So I got a laugh out of my last message thinking about tiny imperfections. But he says it's those tiny imperfections that actually give things life and make them human and relatable. I'll take that. I'll take that, I suppose. I suppose. I suppose.
2: Right, it's those little signs of wear and the journey things have had. And
0: then uh, Sir Boosalot wraps us up with one last 13,370 boosts. I have to tell you guys, I love LUPO 503. All the tech in Nextcloud is cool, and the ethical approach to AI is very much appreciated. But Brent being Brent and the human story behind Nextcloud and the meetup and the uh, Burr listeners was uh, great. Yeah, we got to get over there. Maybe FOSDOM. I don't know. Mm -hmm, One year. mm -hmm. One year when we can, we'll make it over there. And uh, we'll bring Brent. He'll be our
2: local expert now. Exception boosts in with 6810 sacks. Coming in hot with the boost! (laughs) Joining the zip code trend, Linux enthusiast since 1993, aka a dinosaur, daily (laughs) GNOME user, tried XFCE, it was okay. I've not touched KDE for ages, since, that's like since 2004-ish, apparently. Finding the design mindset a bit too dated at the time. Please convince me to find time to play with KDE. I love this boost idea. Uh, so first of all, I don't think you have to
0: consider yourself a dinosaur. Consider yourself um, seasoned. You know, no, just like you were early. You're you're early oh, to trends. early adopter. You're yeah. an early adopter. You're not a dinosaur. You're an early adopter. Daily genome user. I'm sorry. Genome user uh, really since 2004. That's going to be a hard sell. I have to be honest. I really do. Um, because plasma is sort of the anti genome these days. Plasma lets you configure whatever you want. Their motto is simple, by default, powerful when needed. And there is some truth to that. And I think Plasma 5.27 is a fantastic
2: product. But. I like the idea of you saying here, do you hate everything about your current desktop? Try try Plasma. (sighs)
0: It's tricky. It's a tricky sell. If you were going to recommend somebody try Plasma today, there's a lot of questions you have to ask. Like. To figure out what path to send them. Should you send them down to OpenSUSE? Should you send them to Kubuntu? Should, for some reason, they be on Neon? Um, it's a really tri- tricky thing. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I got it in me, but I love that exception A has been using Linux since 93. B was willing to try out Boost. I'd love to know the story there. If you're a long timer or if you tried it out just to get this boost in. And C,
2: going by that boost amount, it looks like they're coming in from Connecticut. Yeah, that's that maybe I, I was sort of assuming maybe there's a, an implied leading zero here. Boost back in there, exception, and tell us if we got that wrong. Also,
0: what would be your plasma pitch to exception or or exception? Because I feel like I've really failed here. I love it. I'm loving it more than ever. I actually, not even kidding, last night was thinking I should bring my ThinkPad in just so I can show Wes how badass my plasma setup is. I'm really happy with it because a new dark kind of bluish purplish theme came out just recently. If you go into the new plasma themes, it's right there and it's at the top. It's gorgeous. So much fun. I love it. I got a great background. I got the toolbar set up just the way I like. it. I was gonna literally bring the laptop in just so I could show it to you after the show. So I'm really happy with Plasma right now, but I feel like I'm failing on the sales pitch.
2: Uh, you know, I, I love I love Genome uh, partially because it it just works so well, especially yep. stock mm-hmm. uh, or just with a, just a few plugins. You know, I can get right to work. The workflow works for me. I I know it. I'm familiar with it. It looks pretty. It's smooth. But when you want something when you want your desktop to be more like a like a tool that, as you learn it, you like fit it to you and it becomes something that it, you know it, it's it's more tightly coupled to how you want to work, that's where plasma really shines and there's a reason like we use genome lots of places, but in the studio, on the machines we need to get work done, it's plasma, plasma. yeah. So maybe that's not what you need. That's not the use case for everything. But maybe for like your main machine, if you get a lot of you're doing your primary work there, you want to be able to customize some of those things. You can't just really easily change or have to use a hacky plugin for in Genome.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good pitch. That's pretty much it for, for a lot of us. And tried and true. You know, they do lots of steady updates, at least for the four series and then the five series. It's been fantastic. Six series is getting worked on now. And if they continue some of that, I think it's going to be a great little workstation.
3: Brendan the Penguin boosts in with 1,024 sets, saying, Yay for more technical content. I've implemented so many things based on your excitement on projects and solutions over the years. Maybe a show note link to a guide for more newbies. Keep up the great show,
0: guys. We have been asking for feedback on uh, if we should skew deeper in the technical or skew more into like the introductory, introductory stuff and then link you to gut dive deeper. Still taking... Input on that, let me know. There's a vote for technical. Little
3: JTH boosted in with 54,022 Satoshis.
2: Ho, 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 ho. Hey,
3: <laughs> Greetings from my SATS zip code. Love all the work you guys do. Glad for the mention of Castomatic a few episodes ago. Because I also see fountain timestamp issues and poppers can't queue RSS feed episodes as none of the member feeds work. But Castomatic works, and I figured out Albie, so hey. here we are. Love you guys. Hopefully, see you in my neighborhood one day. That would be
0: a lot of fun. Now, uh, where are they? It looks like Wisconsin, and the city is River Falls. Ah, okay. Well, that could happen. Maybe you know, especially if we are uh, doing a little trek. The uh, the going back to Castomatic, great podcasting two dot app. iOS only, right? That is the thing. And this is a bit of a journey, right? Because these are new apps and each one of them are trying to find their niche and what they do best at. And so there is a bit of a journey there, but you're helping kind of build that future where we have decentralized podcasting and these apps can follow a specific standard and still differentiate and make value each in each kind of whatever niche they end up in. And so we're watching the kind of the defining of that market with these apps right now.
2: But that does mean it can be a little tricky when you need to find your particular combination of features that you're used to and want in an app and which ones have it. And
0: You got it. You got it. That is, that is exactly the thing. But we got a lot of good options to try. So, you yeah. know. Yeah. Hydra gyrum comes in with a set of Enterprise sats. They wanted us to know that they enjoyed the long intro and outro music we Aww. did for episode 500. Um, brought back the old two-digit episode Nostalgia. Trugrets also came in with some enterprise sats and said, this may be a better boost for office hours, but have you guys considered using Nextcloud as a bit of a source of truth or a back-end CMS for maybe the RSS feeds or the JB website? Uh, to which I say no, but what we have talked about a little bit is Nextcloud could act as a bit of an auth provider. That's one of the things it could, you know, be technically tied into. Is Say we have like a back-end uh administration CMS that we wanted to authenticate. We could authenticate
2: it potentially against our Nextcloud user database or something like that. So there are ways we could tie it in. And it is already tied in in some sense to just a lot of the back-end stuff, just not feeding yeah. everything. Yeah. And that's you know, I think we kind of explore the edges of where it really shines and where you're because sometimes you you know you can just do it in Nextcloud because you already have a Nextcloud and maybe it's not the the best place depending on how complicated you want, where it works for simple things. And we're finding where those edges are and what makes sense to have in a a particular location. But it's a a good idea to think about. Our dear Nev boosts in with 43,331 sats. I
3: hoard that which your kind covets.
2: So that's my zip code, but you already knew that. But alas, it's time to have fun with numbers. First off, dividing my sats by itself is the current temperature outside in Celsius which I'm going to assume that's one. So one degree Celsius or uh, a little under 34 degrees Fahrenheit. So bundle up, Nev. Okay. Then if you take that set amount and divide it by the number of hosts, that's approximately how much I spent in boost attempts trying to figure out how to send one. Oh, no. In the end, I'm still not sure on Albie and Podverse. Bad UX IMO. Mm, you could could try boosting
0: next time, Nev, from the podcast index. I think the only downside to using the podcast index is you have to approve each split unless you set a budget. It's very explicit. Yeah. And we have splits. We have split. So I'd, we all get a cut. Drew gets a split. And uh, Podverse and um,
2: Fountain, we also, and the podcast index. So we're spreading the sat love. Menard boosts in with a row of ducks. Enjoying the show as usual, and nice to hear from Brent in Berlin, a few days late. He is halfway to Bangalore, India, where I am. Any plans for visiting this part of the world? Thank you for the show, and hope Brent is enjoying Tumbleweed as I am. Take care, all. Oh, no plans today, but ambitions, they're high. You know, you never know what could happen. Thanks for the, uh, very nice boost there.
3: Deleted. Boosted in with 50,000 sats. I'm so glad someone else got my Internet Explorer joke. I've been looking forward to making it for almost a year. Oh, gosh. I wanted to wait longer to make it, but I had to balance waiting for the with the risk of someone else doing it before me. As for touching some grass, we got six inches of snow over the weekend, so I can only just go back to browsing memes and listening to podcasts.
0: Well, I'm glad we could be one of those podcasts, I suppose. I am so ready for winter to be over, you guys. It pains me to hear that some of you are having to suffer with long, prolonged winters. I'm so ready. That damn groundhog in his shadow or whatever. I think that's what did it. Ford Humor comes in with 5,555 sats. You know, I think I agree with the comments about keeping it technical. The healthy stream of humor and technical content is the reason I keep coming back. Well, thank you. They write that they're fairly new to Linux and they came over to Linux Unplugged whenever TechSnap was in. It was archived. Oh, he says, I keep learning a little bit each more. I've been dabbling and finding ways to leverage Linux at work the past several years. There you go. Nice. <laughs> that is the path. Uh, keep up the great work and never afraid to go deep. We love it. Well, thank you. Ah, the golden dragon comes in with a classic row of ducks. And uh, says that uh, JB presents Brent Worldwide. Yeah. Now he's going to Raleigh, which is still technically in the world. You know, yeah. Yeah, Brent, are you ever going to make it home? What is home? I've got homes a little all over now, it seems. So you must be leaving, what, tomorrow? I'm leaving quite
3: early tomorrow morning, which is, okay. you know, as we record currently, it's 11 p.m. I'm sure we'll finish, I don't know, around midnight. And then my flight is very early morning, so it's going to be a rough night. Do you know how long you'll be at Alex's yet, or is that TBD still? Well, he booked me a ticket, and I don't remember what it is. I think it's like a week and a half or something. I don't know. He's like my travel agent now. And there you go.
2: There's some insight into Brent's life. (laughs) Copy 1984 boosts in with 2,000 sets. Okay, I'll let you all in on the joke. Internet Explorer, the browser, had a reputation for always being slow. So much so that a month after the Oscars, a meme came out with the IE logo saying, Great news, guys. Leo won an Oscar. Someone, please boost in and say you know what I'm referencing, so I don't have to go outside and touch grass. I don't get it. I still don't get it. I try. I want to
0: understand, and I don't get it. But it's all right. It's all right. Iraq comes in with sixteen thousand twenty sats. It's over nine thousand. Some amazing on the scene next cloud coverage by Brentley with uh, everything in Hub Four and beyond. I'm even more excited than I have been in a while for what's. Becoming a critical application in my home environment. P.S. This boost is my zip code with a few extra steps. You can't throw a leading zero on a boost, so I had to. I had to uh, loop it onto the end. <laughs> Hope you make it up this way one of these days. I'd love to meet you all. So, where are they, West Payne? Where in the world is Iraq? Worcester, Massachusetts. Oh, very great. Worcester sounds delicious. Um, you know what I really like about this boost and several the others that we got commenting about Brent being on, on scene is this is this is in part how value for value does work is if you get particular value from an episode, we appreciate the boost in right It's signal for us. In fact, it's stronger signal than just about anything else. So really appreciate that Iraq and others who boosted it, to let us know when there's kind of an angle that you like. It's one of the great if you need an excuse, it's one of the many great excuses to boost on in. And yarg, 32 sends in 4,096 sets. Yarg. I learned uh, that, Nick, because it's my favorite backwards. It's my actual name backwards, as she writes. I had a VW R32 car, and I loved it so much. Yes, the R32 is one of the classics. There's a, a whole community around just that car that love it. She um, says, also, my name is a callback to all things 32-bit, and it also sounds piratey. That's fun. FYI Folding at Home is a legit citizen science project from Stanford that helps research diseases like cancer. And anyone can pitch in to help. Better use of GPU than my SETI at home was, I think. I love these things. SETI at home too. And um, of course, folding at home personally have always been drawn to collective computing. So I I did that in the early days with my Gentoo setups, when I had Gentoo as an infrastructure, I, one of the reasons I got into it was because it was the easiest way for me to do distributed computing because I could run those kernels at the time and those latest versions of stuff that supported that. And then, you know, almost 13, whatever it was years ago that I got into Bitcoin, uh, it was because of the distributed computing aspect of it that drew me to Bitcoin. I just loved the idea that a group of us and I could get all my computers working together in a pool and working to solve math problems. And uh, of course it's
2: just the beginning of a long journey. So thank yeah, you. I think this was commenting on some previous, it was like yeah. some token, some coin that was connected to doing distributed computing that we mentioned in a boost.
0: Oh really? Of yeah. course, of course there is.
2: Yeah. I mean, Hey, you know, there always
0: is. There's always an angle. I just love distributed computing. If there was a way to do like a uh, regular RSS downloads over like distributed peer to peer download methods, I'd be all over that. Right. Like really would just, Love it. I think the revolution will be decentralized, and I just try to embrace that kind of stuff whenever I can. Gene Bean comes in with a row of handsome ducks and uh, writes, uh, Chris, I'm pretty sure that you mentioned a cookbook mobile app for Nextcloud. If so, could you share it? Uh, Like your family, I am an iOS user. Not only will I share it, but it turns out a couple of members in our community, Marcel, a frequent booster being one of them, contribute to the app. So how about that? And on iOS, it is just simply called NextCloud Cookbook. I think uh, Nook might be my preferred cookbook app. And there is a corresponding app you install on NextCloud. And it syncs between the local app and your NextCloud instance. And it even supports YouTube DL style ingestion from several popular recipe sites. Not all of them. That's killer. It brings in the imagery and the steps. And, you know, so instead of reading like the three pages of blog posts just to get the recipe, you just pull in the recipe into the app and it saves it and gets the pictures, um, supports iPad layout, supports iPhone layout. And the Nook, I think, is even a little bit nicer than that iOS app, but uh, it's not available for iOS. So just NextCloud cookbook. And I'll put a link to that in the notes for you, Gene Bean. And shout out to the NextCloud community members who've been working on that because... That Nextcloud cookbook thing, I I think we'll put it over the top for Hadia. She was like, oh, you got this Nextcloud thing and we're saving stuff locally. That sounds neat. But then when we started putting the recipes in there and I told her, yeah, even when we're off-grid boondocking, you can still pull all these up. She's like, all right, I'm in. USOB, I'm in.
2: (laughs) Alexis Boussin with a row of ducks. Nextcloud AIO, enough said. Yeah, which stands for
0: Nextcloud All-in-One. And is, I guess, a pretty straightforward way to deploy and maintain Nextcloud. And it's one of the options on Linode when you do one of their one
2: clicks. Mm, yeah, maybe you don't want to fuss around with having things broken out into different parts. You're not a you don't. You're not going to use any of that customizability. Sounds pretty handy. You know, my first question is, what database is it using? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Maybe you've got some homework. Because it says
0: included our, quote, high performance backend for Nextcloud files and Nextcloud and it has integrated Borg backup too for backup
2: solution. This Oh yeah, it's got a list of containers down in here. Uh-huh. Uh Postgres. Hmm. Wes, you want to migrate after the show?
0: <laughs> Boy, do I. That, I mean, for my home setup, that seems like a way better route to go than that's what I get for uh, using the upstream image like a sap, I guess. Uh man, that uh, that is the way to go. Next code all in one. And it's not actually all in one. It's breaking the components out into individual containers. It just It's all set up to work together, which is all I wanted. Kurt Peterson comes in with $55,320. Hey, i am noticing that the ballers seem to be using Podverse for the most part this week. Just noticing that. That's interesting. Kurt writes, uh, boosting my zip code uh, while I'm in the great white north on our fifth fake spring. Ouch. Feels it. I feels it. Uh, Thanks for the dive into Nextcloud. It's on my home lab to-do list. Oh, that's great, Kurt. Let us know how that goes. And uh, where is Kurt coming in from there, Wes?
2: Somewhere in Minnesota. Clearwater, Silver Creek, thereabouts. Sounds like a pretty area. when you call it Clearwater or Silver Creek? It sure does. Sounds gorgeous.
0: (laughs) All right. Stegosaurus 5 2050 comes in with another row of ducks. Great show. Here's a row of ducks I finally collected on Fountain. And I wanted to end on that boost because I... I love that they did that. It doesn't come quick. A row of ducks on Fountain is a lot of listening.
2: Yeah, you know what? That's what's so neat about this is, I mean, we get the ducks, which is awesome. Thank you. And then you got all the hours of podcast listening and the podcasters got you as a listener for all those hours. And
0: Fountain gets a cut too. And I think, so this is part of the game changer about the boost that makes the podcast app ecosystem more sustainable. And I think it's something that the listeners should just take a moment to think about if they care about podcasts. Because in the past, the podcast app author has been completely out of the cut, right? They create the app, but they don't make any money once it's out, unless they can come up with a subscription program, or they can come up with some sort of sponsor, or they have some other weird, creepy, other incentive for making the app, and they just need to get you using the app. But with value for value and the boost model specifically, because it supports the splits, Fountain and Podverse and all the other apps, they make a little cut, they make a little percentage. And so it keeps financing app development just by podcasters making shows that are worthy of boosting. Right. So when podcasters are hitting their mark and you're appreciating what they're doing and you're boosting them, then the people that are creating the app are also getting paid and getting a sustainable source of income that doesn't require them selling data, that doesn't require them selling advertisements, that doesn't require them pushing some sort of creepy over-the-top plan. I really think there's something here. And, And I think there's also room for multiple types of models with like a membership program and boost or a membership program where you get perks with boost. Like I could see these things that really could become wholesome, sustainable funding models for podcast apps where a team of people can continue to iterate and improve on it which has not been the case. And if you watch what's happened with Pocket Cast, go look it up. Go look up what's happened to one of the great apps out there. Go look what's happened. It's, this is the problem. And I really think people need to appreciate that the boost also make the app ecosystem sustainable. It's remarkable, right? Because while you're also incentivizing the creator to create content that makes their audience happy, you're also incentivizing the podcast app developers to keep going. It's a much healthier, sustainable ecosystem. And if you don't want to switch podcast apps, you don't have to. You could just go get Albie at getalbie.com. You could top it off internally and then head over to the podcast index. We'll link to the Linux Unplugged on there, but you can boost right from the web page. And they get a small 1% cut too. all this is transparent. It's intentional. It's designed to make them sustainable. Think of it kind of like royalties in the music industry, uh, but clear, more upfront, And transparent for everyone. And in some podcast apps, you can actually choose which splits to send and which one's not and all that kind of stuff too. You get control over that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just right there in the
0: feed. It's fantastic. So thank you everybody who did boost in uh, under the cutoff amount, uh, which right now is 2,000 sats. Or those of you who are streaming, maybe there's no message, but you're just streaming as you listen. We appreciate all that. 2023, I think it still has a lot to reveal how the ad market's going to go. And what helps me sleep at night is our members and the boost and that we have those pipelines set up today. If I were hosting a podcast, especially if it was the way I made a lot of my living and I didn't have some of these other legs to stand on, I'd, I'd be having a tough time sleeping right now. So thank you to our members. You can also become a member at unpluggedcore.com. Then you get an ad-free version of the show. You can also opt into the full live stream, which is totally unproduced. Untouched by Drew has been touched slightly by Wes to make a chapter marker or two in there, but otherwise... Yeah, I have a real light touch.
2: It is the raw feed, and we try to get it published moments after the show goes off the air. So it's also the quickest way to get the show. If the regular show is unplugged, this one's like we're all tangled up in the cord.
0: Yeah, man. That, that, that one makes this show look plugged in. Weird. I hadn't thought about that. It'd be, maybe it's time to change the name. It, I, it's really just the bootleg. It's the bootleg of this show. So this show's barely on the rails as it is. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Really? Yeah, I don't think so. I do know we're live usually. Uh, we're not going to be live next week. I know we are typically live, but this week coming up, we're going to be live on Wednesday in the afternoon in the Pacific Northwest. We'll get the time up at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. We're taking next Sunday off, and then we'll resume our regularly scheduled bat time.
2: See you next week. Same bat time, same bat station.
0: I just told that guy it's not the same bat time. Different bat time. Why are we paying to keep that guy in a booth? Same bat peer tube. It's just unbelievable. I, I give him the new script. He reads the old script. I don't even know why we have that guy. Could have just recorded him and played him as a soundbite. Would have been easier. Uh, links to what we talked about today at linuxunplug.com slash 504. You'll find our contact page over there as well as our subscribe page. And, of course, there's a bunch of great shows over at jupiterbroadcasting.com like Linux Action News. There's a lot going on. We break it down in nice, easy-to-digest format, if that's a thing. Anyways, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Unplug program. See you back here next Sunday. We had an email into the show from Tomat from the Paris region, who also was able to kick Google off their phone. But they went with a different OS than Graphene OS or Calyx or Lineage. Was this an email that uh, came into the show that you grabbed?
3: Yeah, I've been trying to catch up on feedback since I've been traveling. And uh, this one came in. The project is named Ioday, which is, from what I understand, French, like French from France, not if you're from Canada, you know, not those French people. And uh, I looked into this project maybe six months ago, and it seemed really neat. They pre-install their software on some devices, which is really great. So a particular set of devices. I, I think it's limited um, to make it more efficient, I would imagine, which is always a good thing. And I would love to know how that experience is going. I, from what I understand, it's not quite as maybe involved technically as Graphene is, but did I say graphene? I meant graphene.
5: Yeah, get, get it, it, right. get it. God, It's oh.
4: embarrassing.
3: Yeah, I'm still getting it wrong. It's embarrassing. <laughs> um, So I think those devices are some of the Xiaomi's, which is kind of interesting because they're the ones with the good cameras. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And so this is, I think, more limited to the European market, much like the Fairphone, which I've seen a bunch of people with Fairphones this last two weeks. And I'm... Oh, really? You're jealous, I'm sure. I wish I would have thought a little sooner and ordered one and maybe picked it up while I was here. Uh, But I didn't. So maybe next time.
0: (laughs) Next time. Got another reason to go back, Brent.
3: Right. Just one more reason. But I would love to know how that experience is going. Um, So, Tomat, once you have, I don't know, several months in, let us know. I also want to extend... I think a huge thanks to these three gentlemen who are joining me in the recording booth here. Seabase uh, has been super great to us, uh, but having them sort of in front of me listening and watching at the same time, it's like a listening live to Linux unplugged party. And I think it's really great guys. If you
0: want to say hi, hello. Hey guys. Thanks for being our live audience today. Yeah, It was, uh,
3: it's been crazy uh, just being a listener and now being part of a show and like just being awesome, having Brent here. We mm-hmm. don't want to send him back,
2: so Brentley stays. <laughs> we, all, we all know that
0: feeling. This is part of the having Brent process.
2: We all go through it. Yeah, some, there's also withdrawals after yeah. he's gone, so mm-hmm. just prepare yourself with some ice cream, Some of us something. deal
0: better than others. It's even worse, let me tell you. It's even worse when he's been cooking for you for a week. <laughs> and then you should see
2: how Levi responds.
0: Oh,